What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Craig Spodek, and today I have Dr. Peter Bolden with me and Dr. <laughs> and Dr. Christopher Phelps. I am kidding. I am the co-host. It was We were joking just a moment ago. Peter Bolden is the host. I'm the co-host. It's all good. But we're excited because we have the very well-known Dr. Christopher Phelps with us today, and today's going to be a great addition. So stay tuned. Chris, so good to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Chris, you're, a, uh, you're kind of a podcast veteran, aren't you? I was looking at, well, I'll let you answer that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely been on a few of them. Don't you have, do you, do you have one? I have one in the works. Nice. Uh, nothing launched yet. Do you need a co-host, Chris? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm looking. Craig is actively looking for a new, a new gig. <laughs> well, I've got an offer. I got an offer to host the um, Cat Fancy podcast. I know nothing about cats, but I hear that there's a lot of cat lovers out there. It's huge. You know, there's more people. There's only a hundred and how many, how many? thousand dentists out here 150 probably huh thousand. yeah but cat fans holy shit there's millions of cat fans globally that's no kidding chris he did reach out and say you know what we need to cast a bigger net like we're so good like he thinks we're so good and so funny See, and our banter is so that, good that he's like we should just cast a bigger net like more than dentists should hear us dude i said that for your ears only oh well you now just outed us to all 15 of our listeners now it's at scale of all 15 at scale. And now both with dogs, you've just totally pissed off. You lost two. I know. The no, dog no, I've got that one covered. I've already got that one cornered in the, uh, the, the, the dog. dog yeah, I see him over your shoulder, right? He's down there. Isn't Roscoe right over your shoulder? I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, look at that. Boom. Roscoe. For those of you who are not listening or listening rather than watching, Roscoe is a very large, like what? Is a Wheaton Terrier? What is that thing? No, he's a St. Bernard. Same shit, man. Wheaton. <laughs> Pretty, pretty close. Wheaton, a St. Bernard Poodle mix looks like a Wheaton. All right. Enough about that. Let's, hey, hey, let's hey, talk hey. about focus, focus. Back to dentistry. Some good stuff here. Chris, thanks for being a, uh, thanks for being a, the, a, uh, on the show. I was about to say guest listener. I have to tell you a funny story. So one time we had, you know, Elijah Desmond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we had Elijah on the show and literally we to- we coined the phrase guest listener because we pulled him on and we started talking and then Craig and I went to this like long diatribe with each other and literally we forgot that he was like the guest and he was like yeah I wasn't even the- I was just the guest listener today and it was literally I lost it so I was about to say guest listener again but you are no, not no. going to be the guest you got too much you got you got too- we got we're going to we're going to unpack all of your knowledge I was looking at yep. Phelps Institute <clears throat> and the thing we were really wanting to unpack is the is the you're actually a certified NLP, right? Uh, or Cialdini, I should say. Yes. Um, give me the give me the exact terminology. I'm sure I just butchered what you actually are. But what what are you? Yeah, Cialdini Method Certified Trainer. Cialdini Method. And what's a Colb, Colby Certified Trainer? What's a Colby Trainer? Uh, Colby is an assessment test that measures like uh, a disc instincts. Um, you haven't you haven't taken um, a Colby, Craig? No, no, I have not. Oh, I think Colbys are awesome. Yeah. Christopher, I, I, Christopher, you go by Chris or Christopher? Uh, Chris. All right, Chris. So I have to give you a funny Colby story. Like way back in the day, I was, we were loving Colby from a hiring perspective, right? 
So my whole office took it. And they said, and, and it was a big auditorium. And they said, hey, in this, in this book, in this uh, manila envelope, we've got someone who we've never really had before. And, it was, and they said, we've never seen this. But, and it's, it was five. And they were like, yeah, this person was fives across the board. And I leaned over and I was like, so they were pretty much mediocre at everything, right? Wouldn't you believe who opened that thing and I was the five guy. I was literally the guy I was making fun of. I believe that. Um, thanks. So I'm, pretty, I'm pretty much just middle, middle of the road for all, all of those, uh, all those characteristics. But, but let's talk about, let's, I do want to talk about Cole because I think it is a very powerful hiring tool. And Greg, it's good for kind of knowing your strengths when you think you have a good strength and then you don't really have that strength, right? And then hiring for your deficiencies. Definitely. Chris, would you say that's pretty accurate? Definitely. A good way to deploy it. But let's talk about how the Cialdini method, because I actually bring this up a lot. I actually gave out a sheet at the last summit, uh, the summit we had that was really architect, architected, is that a word? Architected from the Cialdini method. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and you may not, you, uh, I'll have to send it to you just to see what you think. But I am a big firm believer in it myself and how it kind of applies and how you can kind of... Uh, extract that into dentistry, but I'd like to, I'd like to hear kind of what, what you, uh, what you've learned in your methodology and your training, and your certification. And, and before you begin, by the way, just a point of clarification, architected is actually a word. I just looked it up. Oh, I was going to, I was going to jump all over you for that. I thought it was going to be like eminenimini. Yeah. Don't go there again. <laughs> all right, Chris, let's, let, I'm excited. Let's hear this. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, it all kind of came about when uh, I did something a little nutty. I, you know, uh, if you know my history, I had four dental practices uh, that I built up and sold my two best ones and took over the two worst ones, kind of uh, freeing up my partners to be happier elsewhere and taking back control of them. Uh, but one of them was costing me, it was a cold start office, 10 months old, and was costing me 70000 a month in expense, but only bringing in 35000 a month in revenue. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to be a math major to realize that is not a good deal. <laughs> it's not no. a bunch of right, every month. And when you have three practices and three other partners, it's an investment. But when you have one other practice and no other partners, it's, it's a problem, right? And so I was looking for the real root cause on why are people do what they do? You know, I've always had a curiosity in that, but really never had a chance to study the actual behavioral science behind it. And that's when I heard Dr. Robert Cialdini speak for the first time on the six principles of influence and persuasion. And there was one of them in particular that just was like my light bulb. And I was like, oh, dang, that's it. That one is the root cause behind the majority of the behavioral problems I'm seeing in my patients, in my team, in my associate doctors across the board. So I thought, God, this guy's the expert. So if I can go to him and learn from him and learn more of the science behind these things, you know, my way of doing thing is I don't know until I try. So I thought, well, I got two practices in a laboratory. I'm going to try. I want to put these things in and see what happens, you know, and modify as need be. Uh, so I was very fortunate to get to, to train under him um, and then to be able to use these uh, in my practices. Wait, so what was the one thing? You know, like yeah. when you said that there was one thing that really made you just like it got your attention. What was it? Yeah, well, it's, it's called the consistency principle. And, and basically what that means is when people make a real commitment, when they take a stand on an issue, what have you, there's a lot of external and internal pressure on them to stay consistent and follow through and do what they said they were going to do. Hmm. Um, and we know this is true. If you think of the word, uh, the opposite of the word consistent, what, what do we call people who are inconsistent who don't do what they said they were going to do? Are there any good words in the English language to describe this? Oh one? my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, 
I'm, I'm thinking of a bunch of curse words, but yeah, <laughs> not, a, not lazy bullshitter, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, liar, right? Liar. But yeah. That's the, that's the external pressure. None of us want to be viewed by others in that kind of light. Uh, but then internally, we don't want to view ourselves as liars or inconsistent as well. Right. So it got me thinking that moment. Well, wait a minute. If people make a real commitment, they do what they said they're going to do. Then why don't I see that in my practice? Why aren't people paying when they said they would pay? Why didn't they show up for their appointment when they said they would show up for their appointment? Why didn't they schedule or call me back to schedule their treatment when they said they would? Why didn't they refer or whatever? And that's when it hit me in that moment is because, holy crap, I'm not getting a real commitment out of them to do it. Because if I was, they'd be doing what they said they were going to do. And that was kind of like, boom, my aha, get more commitments, watch the change in people's behavior. And man, was it huge. So I want to, I want to keep unpacking this a little bit. So when you say you get commitments, literally, like you're literally putting people on the spot and saying, will you come to your next recare appointment? You know, can I make sure we get a commitment from you? And, and Mr. And my, here's my associate, make sure, can I get a commitment that you will call everyone every night that you get an injection to? Like, is that kind of what you're saying? Are you getting verbal commitment or is it an accountability profile or what? Yeah, well, so there's three main types of commitments we have to focus on. These are the most powerful. The first one is a voluntary one. They got to feel like they have a choice. Mm -hmm. That's why when I present treatment options, it's even if I just think it's a crown, it's never just a crown because there's no choice there. You, if they feel you're forcing the option upon them, so you kind of take the control away. We call that in guys land, uh, somebody took the remote control away from you, right? So instead of you need a crown, it's no, no. Option one is do nothing, but here's what's going to happen all the bad things or you can do this crown what do you want to do so mm -hmm. they by giving them a choice right they made a voluntary commitment in the matter uh the second type of commitments are kind of what you were talking about are active commitments and there's three main levels we shoot for there uh you got to tell somebody so speak it is one form of active commitment um writing it down is an even more powerful commitment right we live up to what we write down and if they put money into it right put skin in the game that's the highest form of an active commitment Okay, so any version or all three of those are ideally what we're looking for. And then the last piece of the puzzle is public knowledge, man. The more people that know you said you were going to do that, mm -hmm. oof, the more pressure there is on you to do it, right? So if everybody in this office, everybody in this operatory heard these commitments that I made, what I value, what I stand for is your patient moving forward, and I've tied those treatment recommendations back to that, it's going to be hard for most to say no to that, okay, not move for treatment. So. Just, just for a second, and to because you guys are more familiar with uh, this stuff, you have some background before the podcast about Cialdini and this methodology. Who was Cialdini, and what was his, um, what was the fundamental research that well, he did? He's I'm still sorry. alive, number one. Okay, so who is he, and what did he do? Because I don't, I don't, I, I just for the benefit of the listener as well, let's just go. It, what book was it? What's his? Yeah, so Robert Cialdini is a professor emeritus of uh, psychology and marketing at Arizona State University. Uh, his book, Influence the Science and Practice, was written over 34 years ago. Uh, Warren Buffett listed as one of his all-time business books, uh, and number one in communication. Uh, Harvard Business Review listed as one of their all-time best business books of all time. Um, it's in his fifth edition now. Uh, he just wrote a book about uh, two years ago now, just over two years ago, called Persuasion which is a new concept. Um, his whole thing was going into the, the field because he was curious, how do the best of the best influence us to say yes to their sales approach, to buy their services and marketing, what have you. So he literally went into the field and pretended to be a potential employee and went through every kind of sales training he could get his hands on. Anybody that would hire him to go through their sales training process 
and he was studying them looking for patterns. What are the best of the best using? Uh, and what he found was six key things kept standing out to him and whether they realized it or not. And that's what he decided to do his research on to prove what are these six things that I keep seeing showing up in uh, marketing and sales and whatnot. He, Cause he did trainings from like door to door sales, like this door to door vacuum guy, uh, the Olin Mills photography guy, like the person who would like you go get your pictures taken at Christmas and they try to upsell you on a bigger photo package. Um, he worked in high end ad agencies in New York and LA he sold used cars. He went to new car sales training. Uh, he interviewed cult church leaders to see how they interview, how they influence people to do some interesting behaviors that might be different than what we're used to. Uh, looking for those patterns. And once he found them, that's what he did his research on. And that's what he, he published in that first book about influence, science and practice. Got it. So he could sell, he could sell ice to an Eskimo is what you're saying. I don't know about that. I mean, everybody has a choice, but he could definitely more Eskimos would buy it than <laughs> any other way you'd sell it to them. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. when did you, when, when was it? What, how long ago were you, did you get into this? This is uh, coming up on six years, about six years ago. And so the two practices that you retained ownership, do you still have that ownership in those two practices? No, I've actually built them up and sold them off as well. Okay. So right now, what's your practice world look like? Right now, I'm looking at trying to develop a new model for dentistry of building uh, dental offices in retirement communities. Oh, cool. Uh, using mobile dental equipment, uh, leaving it on site, and having a team rotate around to various communities. Are you practicing right now? I am. Okay, yeah. cool. Awesome. How many days a week are you doing that? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> yeah, more than Pete, right? Yeah, slow to get Shut up, dude. to uh, engage. <laughs> you know, I'm probably averaging about four days a month right now. Okay. Yes. About four times more than I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Hey, uh, that's, hey, that's awesome. Pipe, pipe down. I will. I'm piping it down. I'm, uh, I'm doing uh, back now from two days to three days now, right? Now, Monday, Tuesday, uh, three days. Yeah. So three days a week, but I'm here all the time, just like Pete. So you're, you're doing a mobile. Is that actually like a sprinter kind of mobile or are you actually doing like a trailer kind of mobile? No, so I'm using mobile equipment, but I'm trying to utilize their existing space and make them. Oh, okay. And That's I'm, cool. And that is cool. There. And then trying to make it multi-use to where the chair always makes me money. So if I'm not there, then I rent it out to optometrist or dermatology or podiatry, you know, trying to be the gatekeeper in that community. So mm -hmm. Oh, that's super cool, actually. Yeah, multi-use model. So you use their space and then you put in a, like a chair for a chair clinic, if you will. Yeah, I'm trying to get four chairs in 20 communities. So oh, wow. So, and my That's team. Cool. Well, what made you, what was that? Is that, a, is that, a, is that a, a passion project or is it just something you saw an opportunity and you jumped? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, it, it, it all kind of flashed back to what I wrote my book on about membership plans. Uh, when I would go to retirement communities and do these educational seminars, and I realized that people, the, the 55 and older crowd aren't going to the dentist mm -hmm. because they think they don't have insurance. They can't Absence, go. Yeah. So my solution to that was the membership plan. And that was the hook that got them into the office. And I, you know, I built, that was one of the reasons I, one of the ways besides influence, I built those two practices up. Um, but I noticed from that example, well, how many more of them would come to see me if I gave them the sense that they had insurance, the feeling like they had insurance. Um, then I realized how many more would come to see me if I would pick them up. So I started sending Uber to pick them up before Uber health was ever a thing. So if transportation was their barrier. I'll take that off your plate. If that means you're going to do your crown, sure. Let me let me pick you up, take you home. Wait, wait, wait. What you said? Uber Health is a thing. Yeah, I don't. I've never known this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah no Uber way. Health is uh yeah it's a 
Uh, I like to, I like to think uh, I had a hand in that <laughs> through my example, whether they uh, will admit that or not. Yeah, uberhealth.com, reliable advice for patients. Oh, yeah, some, some stock options for that, Chris? Yeah. The new IPO? Still waiting for that to come in. Yeah. Um, and, then, um, and then I realized, well, how many more would come to see me if I just go to them? Right, if you go on site and make it, because it's all about tomorrow's world is all about convenience, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. so. well, look at uh, Smile Direct Club going into CVS nationwide. Exactly. exactly. You know, it's incredible. So let's talk about case acceptance, because I know that's what we were talking about before we hit record and how these factors play into it, because it's, it's really unfortunate that you could be a phenomenal dentist and uh, have phenomenal hand skills and perfect, pristine ethics. But yet, if you don't have that, you know, third pillar there that where patients bond with you and want to do what you have, want to say or want to recommend, then you're really not going to make it. It's really unfortunate. And there's a lot of guys of the opposite that are really good sales. Uh, people and they're not really concerned ethically or uh, uh, emotionally for the patient. So I think it's a really important widget we have to work here about the case acceptance. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, So it kind of dials into really understanding what are people using to make their decisions, right? In the moment they actually make the decision. So the first question I'll ask you is, do you think people really know what influences them (laughs) to make their decisions? No. Right. Uh, and I've got, you know, studies I can show you that the idea is that while they may think they did, meaning after they make the decision or take the action, they can always rationalize it. They can always give an excuse, but was that really the thing that caused them to do that and make that move? And the truth of the matter is most of the time it's not right. Unless you've had some prior experience or to, you know, something like you touch the stove, you know, it's hot, then of course you're not going to touch it. But outside of that, the majority of the time, that's not what they're using. So there's really five main reasons why people say no to us that we really have to understand. And whether you realize it or not, these are the things that are setting a stage for a no. Okay. No matter how good you are as a clinician, no matter how much you've educated them and you think that they are understanding what you're telling them because they're not dental experts, they really don't. So they're looking to other things to help make their decisions. Uh, The first one is their mindset. Okay. And this one's kind of a big one. Um, picture a new patient sitting in your parking lot right now. You're going to meet her for the first time. And she's about 30 minutes early for her appointment. And she's having a knockdown, drag out, emotional fight with her husband. Okay. Tears, the whole works. Phone call ends. She cleans herself up. She's like, ah, crap. I still got to go do this appointment. So you do your new patient tour. You guys are nice to her. You find something in common with her, right? Or your team does. She kind of likes everybody. But you come in talking about her dental needs, and where do you think her mind's at right now? Do you think it's anywhere around centered where her mouth is? Where are her thoughts focused? Yeah, on their fight, of course. Right? So whether we realize it or not, we're competing with people's mindsets when they're sitting in the chair. And whatever their mindset is, maybe it was some big work project they were dealing with their boss before they got there. You know, that's what we're, our message is competing against. And many, most of the time when but we compete against isn't somebody. That, Chris, though, isn't that the exception? I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Isn't that the exception rather than the rule? Like, how do you train on, like, saying, like, hey, mindset? <laughs> Going back to what Craig is saying, I feel like it's the lowest hanging fruit in all of dentistry is case presentation and being able to have the confidence to deploy bigger treatment plans from a 30,000-foot view. So I feel like starting to say, like, oh, well, you know <laughs> – that's such a that's such an advanced tactic. I, I feel like to me, maybe not a tactic, but um, what you're saying is mindset. Like, not only do you have to have a strategy to explain this treatment, but now you got to be in the psychology of where, hey, you know, maybe they had a fight today. Or you know what I'm trying to say? Is this making oh, yeah. sense? Definitely. Okay. Um, I mean, I love it. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because so many, like, I feel like we're sprinting now in terms of like 
you know, advanced tactics. And I want to, I want to, I want to learn people to kind of get up and walk or, or. Yeah. Lower hanging fruit is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Just like some tactics, like, you know, like, cause I always think of people saying like, I always, I always tell people, I'm like, look, people ask three things, you know, what is it? How much does it cost and what's in it for me kind of thing. And, and you know, I, and I, I'm sure I've distilled it down to, to a way too simplistic level, but I don't, I don't take into effect like if they, ha if they're having a bad day or not, because I can't really modify everything. I can't, I can't curate all my conversations based on these like hypotheticals, right? Cause I think you become ineffective. Cause then you start saying like, holy shit, what if the thing, you know, then you start doubting like your, your way. Definitely. Well, okay. that's right. it's a very simple strategy to counter this. That's the okay. All right. I want to hear it. <laughs> because mindsets are pretty fickle things. <laughs> totally. All, that's my all. point. Yeah. So all we're trying to do with a mindset is we're trying to focus their attention on here, right here and now. And because what's focused is what's important. And a simple way to focus them is by asking a simple question, right? Something to help create that mindset. So what I try to do is ask a simple question when it comes to your oral health, do you prefer to be proactive? Someone who wants to avoid things getting worse, right? You want to avoid it costing you more time, money, pain by waiting, or do you prefer to be reactive? You're okay. Let the wheels fall off the bus. If you know it's going to cost you more money later, which one are you? But, but who's going to answer the latter, right? Like uh, you know what? I, 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 that, that question at first at face value, I had the same reaction to you, Pete, but there's a way to say it. Um, that I think is a little bit more open and honest. It's like, hey, you know, are proactive, reactive seems a little judgy. Like, are you reactive? You know, wait till it falls off the wagon. But I like the concept of it where it's like, hey, are you the type of person that likes to jump ahead of problems? Or when it comes to your teeth, would you rather wait for the problems to kind of hit you? And that you? goes back all, to your choice thing, Chris. Is that yeah, but, but, yeah, but I always tell people like, you know, everybody has a different value system. Like I value teeth. The three of us value teeth. I don't value air compressors. And the, 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 the way I view it is I went to Home Depot. I want to fill up the kids' bike tires. There's an air compressor for $40, $39. It's a piece of shit. It's a DeWalt or whatever it is. I don't DeWalt's even know. DeWalt's not pieces of shit. No, maybe it's not a DeWalt then. I don't it's know. not a DeWalt for 40 bucks. No, no. It was a really cheap one. It was a uh, whatever. It was a, a Guangzhou, oh Chinese, whatever yeah. the hell it was. It was $39. And then to the right of it is like a $300 DeWalt, DeWalt. I guess, at the, uh, at the point. But it's the same capacity. Now, I'm just like, you know what? This thing's going to break. It's going to fall apart. And I'll just buy this thing and have it for a year. But other people have that expectation of teeth as well. Grandma or, you know, their father had dentures at 50. Now they're 25. They got four bombed out teeth. And that might be their frame of reference. So I and think how many times have we heard in dentistry if it ain't broke? I'm like, it ain't broke. I'm not fixing it. Like I've heard that from patients all along. So I agree. Well, it, it's breaking. So that conversation of like, you have a couple of teeth that are breaking or on their way to becoming broke? Are you the type of person that wants to handle it ahead of time, maybe saving you money, or would you rather kind of kick it, punt it down the road, knowing you have to do more later? I'm just, it's a fair question. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, either way, and like I said, I don't care which way they choose, but I've got a strategy for both, right? Because again, I just want to know, what do you stand for? Because now I know how to tailor my presentation accordingly. I don't need a thousand different ways to tailor it. Now I got two. But also you tap into the patient wanting to be consistent now. So to, to what you said, they made a public declaration. I am a proactive. No, no, no. I don't want to wait till it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And now that, you know, everything from that point is like this little filling here. It's an MO, but I know you don't like to wait till things get worse, Mrs. Jones. So let's take care of it. Right. Right. Cause if there it you go. Worse, All right. Okay. 
But yeah. I think it's, a, but just going back to that, Pete, I, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here. I think it's a very fair thing to ask a, a, a question like that. And I think if we can all get comfortable in our own language of asking, are you reactive or proactive? Maybe you don't have to use those words because there's yeah. stigmas attached to both. But are you the type of person that likes to jump out? When it comes to your dental work, are you the type of person that likes to get out in front of it or kind of like wait yeah, till it breaks? The last thing you want to do is seem like condescending, right? Especially yeah. in dentistry because you already have that, like they're going to judge me when I get in there and be like, hey, are you- There's a lot of shaming, a lot, yeah, of shaming. a lot of shaming. I can't believe how many of our, of our colleagues shame patients. You know, if someone, I, I think of just a bit of unsolicited advice here. If someone hasn't been to the dentist in five or 10 years, this word should roll out of your mouth. Congratulations on taking this step today. 100%. You have to say that. It's been about 15 years since I've been a dentist. Don't ask, you know, the first words are, well, congratulations for starting to prioritize your oral health. That's a big step being here today. That, leave it at that. I think it's so important. You can get into what kept you away, fear, money, blah, blah, blah later, but congratulate them because that's so many people are, are worried they're going to get shamed. So. That is good advice, Greg. Thank you. Redeem myself for the, uh, the, the DeWalt comment. So go ahead. So sorry to go tangential on you, Chris. Go ahead on the, uh, so first question, so, proactive, reactive. Yeah, so there's more than one way to create mindsets, but that's an easy one, right? Start with a simple question. Agreed. Um, of course, the next thing we kind of look into is uh, that we people say no to us as the relationship. And we talked about this earlier, right? If they don't like you, mm. uh, I don't know you, I don't like you, right? We don't say yes to people we don't like, okay? But I'd say probably, uh, and that kind of harkens to the liking principle that Dr. Cialdini did his research on. But it's, in my opinion, one of the most overlooked things in dentistry. It's probably the, the number one thing dentists skip over is they sit down they, and they got a right to ripping their lips open. Let's see what's going on. Let's get to your problem. Mm -hmm. And take no time to find out anything about that person and see if there's any kind of commonality, you know? Uh, but it's, I look at it like how much is not liking your patient costing you? more money than I can even add up, you know, and it's such a simple act. It takes 30 seconds. Yeah. I say, and you know, but here's the thing. I think a lot of dentists are, you know, like I'm an introvert, honestly, but true and true. And so I think by default, it's hard for dentists. I think a lot of dentists are introverts. It's hard to sure. say, to get into those, like Craig can do it. No problem. Everyone likes it. Everyone wants to be it. like, oh, in the yeah, everybody likes me, bro. Thank I want to kiss and hug and let's kiss and hug and whatever. But, I have a problem. I have a problem with small talk and I have a problem, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shy by nature. So I thought when I kind of, uh, you know, the, the win for friends and influence people is kind of what I guess you're talking about. Like the, you know, you need to achieve liking and that's, and that's something I think for a lot of us, that's, that's hard. Like trying to find a commonality in, you know, a 30 second window to do because sometimes it can seem a little inauthentic or at least it, it is coming out of my mouth right yeah just so, getting to the me too some form of me too and i don't mean the hashtag me too i mean like you know where are you from what's your thing oh mm -hmm. my god you water ski i water ski too something mm -hmm. any form of connection well the yeah. nice thing is you can cheat a little bit uh and this is i'm an introvert myself so i picked up on this over time is um i i share with my team everything i feel comfortable letting people know about me what are my hobbies, my interests, what my family does, our animals, what have you. So my team knows me really well. And so they know that they can find out the commonality mm. of the patient on my behalf. That's they cool. Can, they can tee, up, tee it up. Yeah, doctor loves, yeah, doctor loves dogs too. What kind of dog do you have? Hey, Dr. Phelps, you know, she's got a Shih Tzu. Oh my God, I got a Shih Tzu too. That's cool. Shih Tzu too. You too? My Shih Tzu too. Okay. Yeah, Shih Tzu too too. Exactly. So that way I could say my team will come, Hey, Mrs. Smith's in there. She's got a dog. She loves to play tennis. I'm like, Oh, cool. 
Hey, I'm Dr. Phelps. Hey, I hear you have a dog. Oh, tell me about it. Cool. And I heard you play tennis. Hey, me too. Sweet. All right, now let's get down to your teeth. I mean, mm -hmm. so important. Done the math for me. Okay. So they can really streamline my process. So it really doesn't have to take a lot of time. You know, it's a problem, Pete. I'm just, I, I, you know, you talk about like my rapport building techniques and I'm, I think I, I am good at building rapport with people. And it's also drives from a deep seated desire to want to be liked and be a pleaser, which is also probably a path. You know, there's this pathology on that as well. I think it's good to, you know, I think introvert extrovert is a whole separate conversation, but one of the qualities I admire about you, Pete, is that you don't, I mean, he's, you're principled and you're self-reliant, which is cool. So you don't necessarily find the need to mm. have approval from other people. So my desire to build rapport come, you know, there's another side to that as well, but I do build rapport quickly with people and I'll build rapport with people. I probably shouldn't build rapport. I always, I always joke around like freaking Adolf Hitler could come in as my patient and be like, Oh my God, you have khakis. I have khakis. Like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's an ability to build rapport with people. That's um, regardless of who they are, which is interesting for me. I just find that commonality. My brain just goes for the commonalities and I just do it very organically. But I was going to say, but you're very comfortable for it. And therefore and it's genuine. You're, you're asking leading questions of people because you're genuinely interested. Yeah, I want to know about versus people. some of us are doing it from a tactical standpoint. Like we know because I could we never do that. We know we read the book when you know, we, here, here's things you need to say, right? And it comes off not inauthentic. It's just harder. Like you yeah. do it and everyone's like, you know, you're Bill Clinton that did that very well, right? Yeah. Look people and they were the only person in the room and they, you know, and he gave the two, two hand handshake kind of thing. Like you're kind of like, you're kind of yeah. Bill Clinton-esque. Thank there, you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Minus the whole Monica thing. Minus, minus the under and, the desk BJs. And the Clinton Foundation stuff and the, <laughs> and he has a lot more hair than I do. I actually saw Bill Clinton recently at a fundraiser. The guy is just, uh, we're not talking politics here, but he gave a speech. Um, I was in Minneapolis for the Starkey Gala, the Starkey Hearing Aid Foundation Gala. And he spoke, he was literally sitting like, you know, one table away with, with not too much security around him, which I thought was incredible. But he gave a speech. That guy is such an amazing mm. speaker. Holy shit. It just like every, the whole room was just captivated. He's amazing. That's why they call him Slick Willie, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whoa, we just, we, we yeah. talked about. Wait, is Chris show. still here? Hold on. I mean, where did Chris go? Going back to what you said, Pete, uh, I feel exactly the same way. You know, number one, if you're instinctive and it's, it's, you are inquisitive and want to get to know people, this is an easy thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're like me and you're one out of 10 on empathy and sympathy, it's not the easiest thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's why I've learned to try to create systems in spite of myself. So I lean on my team for that empathy to find that stuff for me. Yeah. Uh, which then allows me to get in there and do my thing and get out faster, you know, more efficient. So. Uh, but the key is if you can figure out however you can get the information, just find at least one thing in common before you start ripping their lips open. So, uh, that That's goes so a true. long way to setting the stage for a yes, uh, for case acceptance. Uh, of course, our next reason why people say no to us, and this one's a big one, uh, is uncertainty. Uh, if there's any kind of questions or doubt in people's mind, they do not say yes. Okay. Uncertainty about outcome, uncertainty about confidence or competence of, of the clinician, like uncertainty about anything. Anything. Got any it. questions or doubt. And so sometimes you're lucky they vocalize that question or doubt by asking more questions. So you have a shot to solve it. But most of the time they don't vocalize it. They leave it in their head and they just, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, my kids watch uh, the penguins of Madagascar all the time. So I feel like I can quote those movies. And I love it when the, you know, Skipper looks around and says, all right, boys, smile and wave, smile and wave. <laughs>
And that's what they're doing. They're, they're thinking these questions and doubt in their mind, but they're just smiling and waving at us. You don't hear it. You don't pick up on it. So, Chris, how much, sorry to interject. Um, you would know the answer. How much of what we say is nonverbal? Oh, I mean, geez, at least 60%. I've always heard 80%. 80%. I had two. I had two. I, I thought that was kind of like a way too high. But I think some of that kind of alluding into the, 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 the doubt and such, it's like, yeah, you can, you can have the right answer to this, but so much is tonality and body language. And the way your what, shoulders are positioned when you talk about stuff. And what am I so damn hard? Not only do we have to learn the crown prep, do it amazing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, now you have to be an expert in like, Ah, dang. I know it anyway. sucks, man. I know. Back, or you can practice in like some rural freaking place and have just, the only dentist. And you then just you just win by default. Yeah. You could have the personality of like Hannibal <laughs> Lecter and be fine. Nice. But I do believe, I, I do believe that there are other, like, so one of my doctors at my prosthodontist, Dr. Cabernet, is he who works with us. He has a thick accent, Spanish accent. So half the time, English speaking patients don't understand what he's saying. He uses a ton of dental language in, on mm. top of it all. Mm-hmm. And he slays it. People come in, they're like, you know, I only want what my insurance covers. And, you know, I'm not interested in fixing my teeth. And then I'm like, well, well, I, talk I, to this. I know why I can answer this. Chris. Super confident. No, it's authority because by the time they've gotten to him, they're looking for authoritative words, yeah, right? Because he's a high level practitioner, right? He's doing monster $80,000 treatment plans, right? They want to hear that, right? Because he's like, he's the equivalent with like the brain surgeon or the, you know, something that you, you're like, yeah, like, he's just a really smart dude. Like, right. And, he's, and he hears that and he's like, yeah, all right, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's funny. That's what one, I think. Chris, so, I want to hear so, you answer that. Well, though, well speaking of authority, I just want to give you one more example of why you're right. So one person came in and like he was, he had seen them for a consultation. It was like $40,000 and they disappeared for two years. And he comes, they come back like, listen, I got, you know, screwed up and they did part of the work over here. He's like, I want to do the treatment. He's like, yeah, you know, so he does the records again. He's like, it's $55,000. He's like, what do you mean? It was 40. He's like, 40, 55. You know, what's the difference? And the guy's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the patient said, no way. Yeah, this guy says to him, you know, 40, 55. What's the difference, man? I mean, you got to get done. You got the guy's like, you're right. But it was just that pause and that look directly in the eyes. Yeah. And that's done. I mean, a master, I can't do that shit. Well, going back to your answer there, Peter, is these people have made a commitment. They always go back to commitment. They want the expert, okay? They want the best of the best, the smartest, whatever, to do their work, and that just confirms that mm-hmm. expectation. So that's actually one of the principles we lean on to decrease uncertainty is the authority principle. But well Chris, so many dentists, though. Okay, all right, so I'm going to spin this back and be devil's advocate of my own, of my own, of my own uh, demand here. So many of us when we get nervous in a social sit or in a presentation situation, we get nervous or something doesn't go right. Our default is to go technical, which will unsell the dentistry. So in his situation, because he was the authority, right? It worked, it worked to his better, uh, betterment or, or enrollment. But for most of us, Hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Benefit. I was saying, yeah, yeah benefit. Right. But for most of us, right. When it happens by default, because of that's what we were taught to do or whatever, like, you know, I think it works to our detriment in certain instances too. Well, it's so, how you're feeling when you're saying it. So yeah. if, if you're working, if you're getting threatened and someone's pushing you around, if you have some, you know, 
bossy personality, like, well, my cousin's an associate dean at, you know, Iowa School of Dentistry and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then you start saying, well, biomax protrusion and angle of, you know, curve of speed. Mm -hmm. And you're coming from a place of weakness and you're nervous about being challenged. It's different. I mean, the doctor I'm talking about, he says all this crazy shit, your vertical dimensions collapse and all you're showing is your lower teeth and blah, 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 blah. And people don't even understand what the hell he's saying. And, but they feel his energy around it, getting back to the nonverbal stuff. They feel his passion, and then this guy knows what he's talking about. That's yeah. Right. Even though they have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> you know? so Chris, exactly. so Chris we stopped you, so keep going again. I'm sorry. Yeah, so what he's doing is they're picking up on the guy's confidence, and that's really where one of the ways you screw up uncertainty. If you, the patient feels that you're not confident, they don't say yes. Mm-hmm. And the other way we screw it up by not showing uh, confidence is by giving too many options. You know, number one, you, you got to at least give people a choice. If they don't have two options, they didn't commit to it. But the, the paradox of choice, we all know, the more choices you give them, the less likely they are to pick any of them. And the less likely they are to be happy with whatever they just right. decide. Paradox yeah, they just literally lose it. Paralysis by analysis, right? Yeah. There's a great TED Talk, Paradox of Choice, by the way. So yeah. you think it's two, Chris, right? It's a bit of confidence and you got to at least give two and we can't leave them with too many options on the table. So however many choices you give them, that's fine. But you got to funnel them down to one that they chose every step of the way. And they feel like they, and okay, that they chose, right? Okay. All right, I want to make sure you guys run and don't walk to sign up for the next summit. I know this summit's coming a little earlier than the traditional October one like we had last year, but this one's going to be awesome. It's going to be in LA. It's going to be in June. The weather's going to be nice. The waves are going to be crashing. We're going to be surfing. It's going to be a blast. It's also over the Father's Day weekend, which make a vacation out of it. Bring your fam. That's what Craig and I are doing. Anyway, we're kind of looking at all the agenda right now, and and we're just super excited. We've got a jam-packed list of, of speakers coming, you know, guys like Brian Kaleo, um, you know, we've got a bunch of marketing experts, uh, we've got Jason Tyson, I don't want to tell you everything, um, but it's going to be awesome, for real, and and the, the content will be different than the last summit, so even if you went to the last summit, don't think that it's going to be a regurgitation of the same thing, we are going to follow some of the same principles in what we do, you know, the pillars that we talk about, but it's going to be a different content, different energy, um, and we're going to bring new and current information, so get to the registration, see if you can get one of those early birds. If not, it's still going to be action-packed and value-packed. So come on, see you in LA. For more info and to check out the registration page, go to bulletproofsummit.com. So Chris, how much in, how much of presentation should be modeling? And let me, let me expand on that a little bit. So, right. So a lot of times if I were going to a consultation, I can pick up immediately, like this person's a driver, they want to drive the situation. Right. So um, I need to kind of, they're, 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 they speak more in bullet points. Right. So I need to be more pithy with my comments to the point, let, let's just get it done. Here's what you need to do. Wrap it up. Let's get them, you know, blah, blah, blah. Versus like my mom, right? I would spend a little more time. They'd be a little more, touch, you know, like, Hey, nice to meet you. And you know, there'd be more doting on that person. So how important is modeling who you are or who you're, who, who you're uh, meeting or presenting to versus like, here's my methodology and I just go with it. Well, obviously you have to be yourself. Number one, uh, right. Or you're not going to seem genuine. But at the same time, you got to understand if your way is like most dentists to be that strong fact finder and just spit out a thousand details. Engineer, engineer, engineer. 
not everybody can tolerate that. So kind of, I look for a happy medium, you know, 75% of the population will tolerate and can accommodate very little facts, like the most important points. So that's kind of where I start. I try to build most of my presentations around the most important things, not more than one or two things in each category I'm discussing pros, cons, whatever. And then the, the stronger of fact finders, the drivers, if they really want to know more, guess what they'll do? They'll yeah. ask more ask more questions and then I'll accommodate their answers that way. If you had to, if you had one, one, um, a magic wand and you, and someone said you get, you get X amount of minutes for everyone forever and ever, what would that magic number be? Meaning that you have five minutes or seven minutes to do treatment planning, but no more, no less kind of thing. Um, right. Like sometimes I think I see other dentists. I didn't do a very good job asking that question. I apologize. Yeah, I know. But, but, I see a lot of dentists that like they, they linger in the damn room when someone's at like saying a buying question, well, how much is it? And love it. They're asking the question. They're like, Oh, you know, like get the hell out of the room. Right. Like they just don't take up on the verbal cues. So what have you seen in your research? And that, that is like a very good, a very good time slot to, to, that we can all kind of address and focus on versus like, it's not 20, is it 20 minutes? Is it 30 minutes? Is it six minutes? Like, what is it? Well, if we're talking about you already know what the plan is or the options are, okay, mm -hmm. and you're ready to present that, then truthfully, this shouldn't take more than five to seven minutes. Got it. Okay. Because what you're doing is, you know, the way I do it is I present the pros and cons, option one, let's say an implant. And I'll say, hey, the bad news about this implant is it's the most expensive, it's going to take the most time. But the good news about it is it's going to save the bone, keep the teeth from shifting, whatever you want to say is good, right? One or two points. Mm -hmm. Next option, there is a bridge. Here's a picture of a bridge. Now, the good news about this is less expensive and takes less time than the first option. But the bad news is I got to cut down two good teeth, put three teeth on. You're still going to lose the bone over time. May have to replace three or four more times in your lifetime. Whereas the implant should only have to be placed once. Whatever you want to say, right? Right. And then you just stop. And then, and then you stop probably right there, I'm guessing, right? No, I go to the last option, which is uh -oh. uh, next option is your partial. Okay, because you got to get meth with all the options. Mm -hmm. Now, this thing, the good news about it is least expensive, doesn't take a lot of time. But the bad news is you're going to hate it. <laughs> you're absolutely <laughs> hate it. Okay, sucks. So don't say I didn't tell you. Still right. better than nothing, but it's just not good. So once I present those, I've still given them the pros and cons. I've gotten through all the choices, but now I get onto one plan. And this is where two option choice comes back into play. So I try to, since they can't differentiate and they don't know the differences between them because there's so, so many options, I have to differentiate it for them. So I'll say, so let's go back over your options now this, uh, and figure out which one's right for you. So this partial versus a bridge. One of these things comes in and out of your mouth. You got to wake up and look at your teeth in a jar. This other thing doesn't come out of your mouth. It feels like your natural teeth. Hmm. Which of those would you like? Well, I don't want it coming yeah. out of my mouth. Okay, yeah. great. Bye-bye. So that's, that's an important, important thing to say. Do you want to sleep with your teeth or without your teeth? It's such a, it's such a great decision tree question. Cause you, it, you know, I, I get, I'm in the market right now for a generator. I live in South Florida's hurricane season. I don't have a generator at my house and the sales people that I'm dealing with are just, they're, they're basically saying whatever you want. I'm like, well, I want to do this. They're like what, well, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, I know, but what do I need? And there's such a paucity of good sales people. Like a good salesperson should help you make a decision. They should actually not just try to enroll you. It should actually help you educate you and give you a decision. So a, a really powerful, a, a really powerful decision tree is, is awesome. Person comes in there a mess. Do you want to sleep with or without your teeth? Well, what do you mean by that? Anything removable you shouldn't sleep with. 
So does the idea of keeping your teeth in a jar overnight bother you? Yes, a lot. Perfect. We can't go there then. Next decision tree. I mean, it's so important, those, those things. They're so underutilized. And I'll do the same thing then for the bridge versus the implant and let them choose. And then when they yep. choose one, now say, all right, looks like we're at the implant or whatever. Let me go get my financial coordinator. She'll go over all that with you. Bye. I want, I want to put a pin in something, and I don't think this is the right time, but I don't want to forget. I want to talk about the outcomes of cosmetic treatment and managing the sales cycle and, and, and having people respect authority and stuff like that. Cause there's, there's one aspect of like, okay, getting people to say yes. And there's another aspect and Pete, you're probably going to have a lot of understanding of this, of getting people to be happy with what they have. So if you're, oh, if you're, you know, when a dentist is insecure, they use the, you know, the dental language and they, 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 they talk too much. When a dentist is secure, patients feel it. Same thing after a patient says yes, and you've done the veneers or done the cosmetic work. If a dentist is looking for feedback and questioning it, you can lose the case. Patients may not feel comfortable with you. I think some of the most iconic cosmetic dentists out there not only have great hand skills, but great management of the patient's expectations and also some form of dominance or authority of this looks good, you look good, you know, you don't need to worry about this color anymore, the shape of these veneers anymore. And no one's talking about that. Pete, anything to say to that or leave it or talk about it later? I think you, you know, I think you're right. I think if, if, if you give someone an inch, let's just say like in your heart of hearts, you truly believe that it was, you know, world-class, the best that right. you could do. Right. Everything's right? perfect. Like don't get, you know, you, you're right. If you give she an lo- inch. She loved the temporaries. These are exactly yeah, the temporaries. Are exactly. Yeah, I could have done better. Like, don't you say that? And like all of a sudden you're, you're redoing a case, right? Um, for free. But there's psychologic uh, management of course. outcomes. Well, right. Um, but that's where, you know, that's where you do a lot more. That's more they're more involved in the process. I mean, you're right. This is a bigger conversation, but this is where you, you want to spend a lot of time with, you know, with your provisionals. You want to spend a lot of time. You want to spend a lot of time on all sorts of things and you want them signing off um, from, a, from a, you know, I had the chance to view them. You want to try them in, like all these things, right? All these things are creating, going back to what Chris is saying, right? Creating that accountability uh, and publicly saying like, yes, I like them. Go ahead and bond them in permanently kind of thing, right? Um, So, you you know, that's where, that's where I personally in my, my career has seen, I've seen a lot of mistakes, Craig, is, is, is people not being involved in the process and at the end getting, getting sat up in the chair and being like, what do you think? It's like, Oh, I hate him. This wasn't what I had in mind at all. Like that's not the time you want to have that conversation. Of course. You know, on the front end, things are uh, an explanation. On the back end, things are an excuse. And it may be the same thing. But the self-esteem that gets a patient to say yes, if the self-esteem is not there and you do the case and you don't feel good about it, patients can walk all over you and those cosmetic cases can wind up owning you. A hundred percent, like a hundred percent. You know, and, and unfortunately, sometimes you have to learn the hard way on that. Yeah. You know, just by, it's just a reps, you know, like going to the gym, you learn. You're like, shit, I'm not going to do that again, right? That was an expensive afternoon. Drop the weight on your foot one time, and suddenly you don't drop the weight. Yeah, like, yeah, that was, you know, pain. Pain's a very powerful, powerful uh, teacher. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. That's a bigger thing. That, I think that's, that's something that we should, if, if, that, if that makes sense to people that are listening to this podcast, post below um, on, our show, uh, on our notes. Or, or Greg, people comment. can't post on show notes. You know that, right? No, I, I do know that. I'm just making sure you're listening to me. Okay. No, but leave us a comment or whatever you do in the podcast world. Go on MySpace where this is hosted. 
Uh, Craig, Craig has a very active MySpace page. He, his music is amazing. When you MySpaces. <laughs> Remember that from Borat? Of course. That movie could never be made right now, by the way. I just want to let you know. I mean, it was questionable when it was made, but in this day and age, in this culture that we live in, that movie could not exist. It's amazing what 10 years has done. Anyway, I digress. Let's go back to case presentation. So our fourth reason people say no to us. Uh, I call this the I got time syndrome. So there's I no, got what now? I'm sorry. I got time. I got time. There's no urgency or motivation. You know, I'm going to get to it. it. It doesn't hurt right now. Right. But I know I see the problem. I like you. I, see, I get the plan, but I don't have to do it right now. You know, I got mm -hmm. time. So there's no urgency. There's no motivation to act today. And unfortunately, once they leave a thousand of the things happen in their world and you just disappear off the priority scale and there goes your treatment never to be seen or heard from again until hopefully maybe you see them in six months and you get another crack at it, so to speak. Uh, so without creating some kind of urgency in people, uh, you don't, they don't say yes. Um, so one of the ways we do that is what we've been talking about this whole show, get more commitments. <laughs> the more commitments you get out of people, then why wouldn't you do it right now? Right? There's no waiting. And you speak consequence, right? You pro it's a problem. Here's the problem. Here's the consequence, right? Like, then here's then the solution, right? Right. Problem, consequence, solution. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, if it's problem, solution, consequence, it doesn't work as well. Correct. Uh, scarcity is what wakes the brain up because we don't want to miss out or lose on anything. If we know something's going to cost us, then typically, we, as reasonable people, we want to avoid that. So. Or how about when you see a deeper curious area and you say, they use the word yet. Does it hurt yet? Rather than does it hurt you at all? Does it hurt yet? Mm, does it hurt yet? There you go. Yeah, because like, well, no. Is it going to? Yeah, if you left it long enough. Because I mean, it's an unfortunate thing the way teeth are designed that by the time you feel pain, it's too late to fix anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh. it's, pain is not, it's like a heart attack. By the time you, you don't feel high blood pressure, you don't feel a narrowing artery, but you feel a heart attack. That's sure as shit. And teeth are the same way. You don't feel incipiency. You don't feel periodontal disease. That's that's a good. That's uh. That's pretty good, buddy. I'm glad yes. you're. I'm glad you're the co-host. <laughs> and think about what you just said. You're asking commitment questions, right? Does it hurt? No. Okay. Is there cold sensitivity? No. Uh, can you chew? Does it hurt to chew on it? No. Well, they just committed to when they. It doesn't ask, hurt. Leave it alone. Right. So anytime right. you come at them with an option to fix whatever, they're gonna be like, "Why? It doesn't hurt." But yet, keeps you in the game. It keeps the door open to the yes. Yeah. Does it hurt yet? No, not yet. But, you know, like you ever had a toothache before? Yeah. Well, how was that? It was terrible. I'm like, I don't want you to have that again. Well, it's the same reason I hate that question, rate your smile, one to ten. Right? You guys ever had that on your patient forms? Yeah. And everybody and their grandmother picks the same freaking number, seven. <laughs> mm -hmm. so what are they just now committed to about their smile? It's not that bad. It's not yeah. the best. It's not the worst. It's better than average. So then you go to them talking about cosmetics and whitening and ortho and whatever. And they're like, the door's already been shut. It's mm -hmm. enough of a battle. You know, so you got to be very careful the questions you ask people. Yeah. You never want to ask a yes, no question to a, to a question that you really want to start a dialogue to. That's a very important thing. It's That's like a good tip. That's a good, I think you, like that needs, you need to restate yeah, I'll say that. that. You never want to ask a yes or no question to a leading question that was meant to start a dialogue. I mean, how do you rebound from, do you want to make your next appointment with us? Do you want to go ahead and schedule your next hygiene appointment? Yeah. No. Uh, okay. Or do, <laughs> would you like to pay today? No, I'll pay next time. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, so you, you don't, if you don't want to get a no and, and a no is at the end, not a beginning, then don't ask a yes or no question. 
these are these are these are hacks for from the the master extrovert himself. I'm taking notes there. These, these are not. These are uh, either I learned them so long ago and I convinced myself they're mine or they are mine. But those are important things. I that all the time. Never. We don't ask patients if they want to go ahead and schedule their next hygiene appointment. We tell them, you know, our hygiene schedule is busy. You know, by the time you know that you're due, you, you'll have to call up. You'll get mad because it'll be two or three months to get in. It won't be good for you. So we're going to go ahead and make your next appointment. But you so, did a problem consequence right there. Yeah. Or let's go ahead and take care of your solution. Bill. Right. Yep. That's no it. hotel says, would you like to go ahead and pay right now? Like we need your credit card right away. Yeah. Yeah. Right they on. do give you a choice. How would you like to pay for that today? Yeah. Right. But oh. not. Yeah. There's a choice. Yeah. Can I do an IOU? No, that's not one of the options, but. Third party out of state check. Does that work? No. Exactly. But they limit the choices. They say, how would you like to pay for that today? Credit card, credit card, or this credit card? Uh, okay. I guess I'll use this credit card. Yeah. All right. And last but not least, so add it all up. What are the, what is the thing people are using to make their decision in the moment? Okay. And it's something called the contrast phenomenon. Contrast is all about comparisons. Okay. They're comparing and contrasting everything in that moment, everything that has been leading up to that moment when they actually make the decision. So I call this the yes, no contrast scales. And if you gave them more influence stuff, if you found the liking, if you did all the things we talked about before, you stack more things on the yes side of the scales. If you don't do those things, then what they have left to compare and contrast your options and financial arrangement to is the price. Okay. And we haven't given them anything else to contrast it to. So if it's about the price, then that's what they use to make their decision. Add more things to it, liking, authority, the social proof, more commitments. Suddenly it's not about the price anymore for the majority of the people out there. I think it's important to, to branch onto that, like what, what's governing their psychology at that moment. You want to piss off a patient a lot. Take a new patient that has a chief complaint and pain and <laughs> talk to them about their comprehensive case, talk to them about their smile makeover. Yeah. It's like, I, I tell patients, cause patients will lead you down. They'll ask you questions. And it, I hope this doesn't, doesn't sound paternalistic, but if you allow a patient to take over that appointment and say, well, I know this, this lower, you know, my lower right molars been keeping them up for two or three nights, but Hey, I'm interested in Invisalign too. And Hey, what do you think I could do like cosmetically about this? And then you spend like an hour going through this whole like bullshit about like their whole treatment plan. And then like by the end of the appointment, like you don't fix the pain that they're in or like, let's get you back. We'll take study models and all that stuff. They're going to be really mad at you. Mm -hmm. So I, you have to control the patient. Like, Hey, I'm really excited to talk to you about all this stuff. I love doing dentistry. I love all the stuff that you're talking about. I could talk to you for hours, but today you're drinking ice water right now because the pain in your mouth is so severe and you've right. just taken a Motrin. We yeah, have an hour to before let's we put out the fire. Let's get these things controlled. Let's get, let's get you out of an emergency situ situation. And then we can talk about building the new house. But right now you have like a house and the, the, the ceiling is falling in. Can we do that first? I think that's really important. And I also think that there's other questions. Speaking of that question that we talked about where never ask a yes, no question. It's always cool to offer a patient a payment plan. You'll never get a patient upset. It's a clarifying question to say to a patient, we have payment plans to help you fit the treatment that you need into your budget. Because the rich guy, what will tell you, he always, you know. No, I'll he, pay in cash right Yeah, now. I got a black card, you know. I got, you know, did you see my, I drive a Bentley or whatever. So the person that needs it will say, oh, that's really helpful. And the person that doesn't need it will let you know that they don't need a payment plan. It's incredible. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And that's, and that's it, my friends. Those are the reasons. Okay. Well, you are a fantastic guest listener, Chris. No, he was no, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was kidding. I was just saying we talked a lot. 
I talked a lot. Elijah was the best sport in that. I couldn't, he, he get laughed the whole way, but it was true. I went back and listened to that podcast and I was like, poor guy. Like we literally just talked the entire time. <laughs> so but, Chris, do you have a, I'm sure you do. I'm, I, let me jump on the website here, but how can doctors, do, do you have a case presentation workshop, specific yes. case presentation workshop? I do. Uh, in fact, I spend two whole days on it, uh, going over all the principles, the science behind them, and of course, all the ways I apply them to dentistry from case acceptance to getting people to pay today, increasing your marketing effectiveness, decreasing no-shows, uh, influencing the team to change and implement stuff. Uh, name a problem in dentistry, and I probably have an influence solution for it because I went through it. I've been there, and I, I needed a solution for myself. And I wanted you created to a system around it. I love that. That needs to be, you know, everyone talks about Craig, you know, we have people that come to us, what, what course should I take? And what should I do? You know, and it's always a clinical thing. Like what they're, they're looking for going to Panky or Coise or something. Right. And, and those are obviously important, but without what you're talking and teaching and what we've, what we've spoken about all the aforementioned, it really becomes somewhat moot, right? Because if you can't talk your way to doing this amazing treatment, like why did you learn it in the first place? Well, I look at it like I don't like expenses, okay? I like investments. And mm -hmm. I invested all this time in my education. I invest all this money in marketing to get these opportunities in front of me. Uh, but I can't get them back in the door for treatment. It's an expense. Okay? Right, totally. It's an expense at that and an expensive one. Uh, so I look at this communication stuff as understanding why people are doing what they're doing and what they're really using to make those decisions. To me, that's an investment you got to have. You just yeah, I think it's really important that um, um, we, we, we all understand that we don't know what motivates us. It's incredible. We're as human beings, we're so uh, we, we think we know what, what affects us and what motivates us. And we really don't. And uh, patients are making a diagnosis of what they think they want. And it's important to guide them through. Cause if you, if you buy into what they're telling you and they're unhappy, it's really going to be your fault. Right. So I think it's a very inter in, in, in dynamic process where you, where you really want to play not only, I mean, listen, the goal is to make people happy with the least amount of dentistry possible. You know, no one wants to have dentistry. And if you can get, if you can be creative and get them happy with the least amount of dentistry that they need, that's always going to be the key. Um, and most of us dentists have very little dentistry in our own mouth. So I think it's important to, and people come in all the time, like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, I don't know if you really want that. <laughs> Oh, look at your child in the back. This reminds me of the CNN uh, thing. Is that uh, Amzie? That's Atley. It's oh. Atley. Hey, whenever you say daddy's going to his office, don't bother him. It's literally a beacon call for all of them to come in and bother me. Like, do you oh, remember oh, that? here's like, the dog. And like, hey, I can't literally, people are like, why do you, why do you, uh, why do you work from home? Sometimes? I'm like, sometimes it works. And then 99% of the time I'm like, now I'm reminded of why. Like, do you remember like, the CNN like uh, reporter that they yeah. came in and he had to put oh, the yeah. head and then the, and then the mother came in like sneaking up. It was awesome. Uh, I'm expecting, uh, like, she's going to start riding the dog in a minute. That's what uh, I you know, we, the dog's we, huge, Chris. Jeez. Um, Chris. So obviously people can find you on it's the Phelps Institute.com, right? Dr. Phelps helps.com is one of them. No, I think he's got multiple sites. Like what's the main mothership? Uh, the main mothership for, uh, is, uh, Phelps Institute. Phelps Institute.com. Institute.com. Okay. Got it. I'm, I've been on Phelps helps. Phelps helps is yeah. Dr. Dr. Phelps helps. It encompasses more of my speaking stuff and where I'm going to be. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then of course, guide them to yes is the influence website guide them to yes what a great url man oof that's good 
That is good. Awesome. Man, you're you're a busy dude. I had no I honestly I had no idea you had your hands in so much stuff. I mean, I kind of did, but you know, um do you do you uh, do you get that complaint on the home front like working working all the time or or do you have pretty good balance? No, I have a really good balance and uh it's it's taken a long time again once you understand yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, I remember the first time I met Kathy Colby and she saw my numbers and I said, Hey, Kathy, I'm Chris. I'm a dentist. And she said, Chris, I'll stop you right there. You're not a dentist. And I was like, mm, pretty sure I'm a dentist. <laughs> I feel like I remember those four years of dental school. It kind of sucked. Why, why was it? Because, because you were more of a, if you don't mind, like, well, she, he's going to go, he's going to tell you. No, he wasn't. Yeah, she, she, she saw my number. She said, well, what I mean is your numbers tell me you're an entrepreneur who uses dentistry as his vehicle. And she said, I'd be willing to bet you have another business outside of your dental practice right now. And I was like, well, I mean, I have four practices, so I'm an entrepreneur by definition. Because no, no, I mean, I bet you And that's right when I started that with my call tracker ROI program. And I was like, oh, oh crap, that'd be guilty. <laughs> guilty. And so, what was it on the Colby that, that like, because I remember there being four buckets. So what was it that was the, the giveaway on that one? Well, it's when your two highest numbers are Fact Finder and Quick Start. Quick Start uh, being so uh, that's the, the, the profile, if you will, of most entrepreneurs. Yep. Not being yep. afraid to, you know, like I said, jump and then figure out if there's going to be a place to land. Yeah, jump and then and build the parachute on the way down. That's me. Exactly. <laughs> well, Chris, I enjoyed spending time with you, man. Thanks for, I think this was super valuable for people. Greg and I have always been big fans of kind of, uh, of all that we, we speak of. And now we have justification for it. We can be like, well, Chris is actually certified and he agreed with us on a lot of these topics. This, so this is science, man. Come on. All right. I love it. I love it. Um, so yes, thank you buddy for spending time with us. Greg, you got anything else? Uh, no, I loved it, man. I, I, um, I'll, I'll ping you offline. Cause I think I could, we could do some, cool Colby stuff for my organization. I think it'd be helpful to know where we where we all stand. That'd be, that'd be powerful tool for us. So yeah. that's awesome. Do you ever do any, speaking of that, it's actually good. Do you do any workshops on site for like, for instance, Craig's got a giant office, right? And it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to, for all those people to come to you. Do you offer stuff on site? Yeah, that's actually what I spend most of my time traveling doing is going to personal trainings. Like nice. That. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Where, where are you based out of Chris? Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yep. Um, awesome. Well, Chris, yeah, thanks so much, man. Enjoyed, enjoyed spending time with you, pal. And um, yeah, nothing but the best of luck on all your endeavors. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that was great, Chris. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, it massively helps us create awareness if you would take five seconds and leave us a review in iTunes. Also, stay in touch with our updates and such by just texting the word bulletproof, all one word, to 345-345. We promise not to bombard you with spam texts or anything, but it will help update you on special opportunities for our listeners, as well as even info on the upcoming Bulletproof Summit 2019. Again, that's the word bulletproof to 345-345. Thanks so much, y'all. Have a great day.